The sun rises over the San Joaquin Valley, California. Today is June 26, 2020. All right, so let's break up this introduction. How do you want to split it up? You take the pain control issues and I'll take the fat boy issues? <laughs> it sounds like a plan. As our nation continues to battle the opioid epidemic, along with other epidemics, our good old-fashioned aspirin at high doses, 900 to 1,300 milligrams, was found to be effective and safe to treat acute migraine headaches. Further research is needed to actually recommend aspirin as a prophylactic therapy, but it's promising. Findings of this research were published uh, this past November 2019 by Dr. Biglione and collaborators in the American Journal of Medicine. Aspirin keeps giving us surprises after more than 120 years on the market. Isn't that crazy? Aspirin's like one of the most controversial drugs out there, even though it's been around forever. Um, so also the Food and Drug Administration has approved the first over-the-counter ibuprofen and acetaminophen combination drug for the U.S. It's called Advil Dual Action, pretty cool, right? Which contains 250 milligrams of ibuprofen and 500 milligrams of acetaminophen. It will be available later in 2020. Well, talking about epidemics, have you heard that diabetes is a surgical disease? Some experts support the cure of diabetes with bariatric surgery. And yes, while it might not be the first choice, it is effective when used appropriately. However, according to a research uh, presented during Indo Online 2020, Dr. Ying Luo stated that having bariatric surgery before developing type 2 diabetes results in a greater weight loss, especially within the first three years after surgery. The probability of achieving a BMI of less than 30 and the chance of reaching excess weight loss of more than 50% is higher in patients without diabetes before surgery. Diabetes prevention is another good reason to send your patients to bariatric surgery in a timely manner when they meet criteria. So I know what my wife's giving me for my birthday. <laughs> Welcome to Rio Bravo Q Week, the podcast of the Rio Bravo Family Medicine Residency Program, recorded weekly from Bakersfield, California, the land where growing is happening everywhere. The Rio Bravo Family Medicine Residency Program trains residents and students to prevent illnesses and bring health and hope to our community. Our mission is to seek, teach, and serve. Sponsored by Clinica Sierra Vista, we are providing compassionate and affordable care to patients throughout Kern and Fresno counties since 1971. A good head and good heart are always a formidable combination, but when you add to that a literate tongue or pen, then you have something very special. Nelson Mandela Wow, Nelson Mandela was a great leader, and um, it's a great teaching. I always thought that having a good brain and a good heart were enough to be wise, but Mr. Mandela taught me again that having a good tongue or pen makes that person even more special because it's not only what is on your heart and in your brain, but also being able to communicate it to other, to other people. So um, being wise and compassionate, it's very important, but we have to be able to communicate that knowledge to others. And that's why we have this exercise, which is called Rio Bravo Q Week. It's just to learn how to transfer information from our head and our hearts to our co-residents and our patients too. I hope we can become better communicators every day because communication is key 
in providing healthcare to our patients and to have um, a good experience in residency. Before I introduce my guest today, I want to take a minute to correct myself. In episode 15, I said more higher and I correct myself. I, I know there is a mistake. It should be said just higher. You don't have to say more higher. Uh, just the way, the same way you say better and you don't say more better. Okay. And also, I hope you heard the beautiful quote we used at the end of our episode 17, which was our last episode. I want to clarify to everybody that we don't have any political affiliation, but we have the same values and principles we shared with the good people of America, including politicians of any kind, uh, artists, NGOs, religions, and other groups who support good values in our community. I encourage you to examine what is said and not him who speaks. And that's an Arab proverb. And I hope you can um, always take that into account, uh, especially in this podcast, because we say many things. I hope you analyze what is said and know who says uh, that information. So we have a very pleasant and clever resident today. She's very liked by our co-residents. And... Um, and I hope you enjoy this interview. Today we have Dr. Yodaisi, or Yodaisi Rodriguez Acosta. And welcome, Dr. Rodriguez. Welcome. I hope uh, you, um, you're not stressed. I hope you're not too tired today. Mm -hmm. I know it's the end of the day, but we're going to ask you a few questions in this podcast, and I hope you can help us um, learn something new today. Sure. So our question number one is, who are you? So first of all, hi everybody. I am Jodaisi Rodriguez Acosta. Real in Spanish is Jodaisi, but since I moved to the state, everybody called me Jodaisi, and that's fine. I graduated from medical school in Cuba. Before moving to the US, I work in Honduras and in Venezuela as part of medical collaboration programs. I love outdoor activities, gardening, crafting, movies, and dogs, of course. My perfect day is having a picnic with my family. Great, and I, and I can uh, tell that Yodaisi, she loves uh, her daughter a lot, and yes. we like her too. She's a <laughs> yeah. cute baby. So, um, second, second question: What do you learn this week, Doctor Yodaisi? Well, Doctor Ariasa, I would like to discuss um, a cervical polyps today. Great, let's do it. So I had an encounter this week, and as a clinician, we might encounter something that happened to me this week uh, with normal variants and benign neoplasmas of the cervix and pelvic uh, on pelvic examination. It is important as a family medicine doctors to become familiar with normal cervix so we can identify what looks abnormal. Okay, so yeah, we do pap smears all the time, and it's it's important to to identify what a normal cervix looks like. And then when it's abnormal, you have something to do. So um, so you say you wanted to discuss cervical polyps. What is a cervical polyp? Correct. A cervical polyp is a growth or a tumor found in the cervical canal. It is a lobular or tear-shaped growth, red or purple, and it also can be very uh, vascularized. After you see a couple of them, you will learn, to, you will learn how to recognize them. They present more commonly in postmenarche and premenopausal women who have been pregnant. It is included in the cervical non-cystic lesions, and the etiology is really unknown. But chronic inflammation and cervical canal—I uh, mean, of the cervical canal—may play a role 
as may hormonal factors, since endometrial hyperplasia and cervical polyps coexist more frequently than expected. The differential diagnosis uh, usually includes any endometrial polyp that can prolapse or myoma, and the malignancy is really uncommon in these cases. Yeah, I know. Uh, cervical polyp can be seen sometimes when you do a pap smear, and um, after you see a couple, you learn to to see them, to, to identify them. So um, what should you do, Dr. Yodesi, when you see a cervical polyp? So always uh, a polyp should be removed if they are symptomatic. For example, if the patient presents with bleeding or if they have any excessive discharge. But if the polyp is large enough, like about more than three centimeters also, and if it looks atypical, also has to be removed. Polypectomy is usually a small procedure done in the office. And as I say, malignancy is rarely found, but any polyp that is removed should be submitted to a laboratory for histological studies. Yeah, I know. It can be a little challenging. When you see a polyp for the first time, you might be a little um, mm-hmm. a little scared to mm-hmm. remove it. But then after removing a couple of them, you know, with the help of your OB guy in attending or with your attending here in clinic, the family medicine, you can become more confident to remove them. But yeah, I agree. It has to be removed if they are symptomatic or if they are causing problems. So um, why is this knowledge important for you? Well, uh, first of all, it's a test that we do really frequent, as you said, and every year nearly 13 cases of cervical cancer are diagnosed in the States and more than 4,000 deaths. Cervical cancer is typically asymptomatic and there is no other way sometimes to diagnose it. Uh, We should become familiar with the screening and management of cervical diseases and having the right information will always help us answer all the patient's concerns. Okay, and um, how do you learn about cervical polyps? Well, thanks to my OBGYN's attendance and to my gynecology rotation, I have improved my knowledge and abilities for managing um, cervix, uh, cervical exam and a normal cervix. And I learned that if the patient has a grossly visible cervical lesion, biopsy should be performed right away. And if the biopsy cannot be performed, I need to schedule for as soon as possible. And we all know how to do a pap smear, but thanks to, to this, I, I, I encountered some of these polyps already. So you learned this just by a patient that you had. That's very good. That's a very good way to learn. Mm-hmm. You know, when you encounter a patient, you can see a million pictures of it, but until you see it in person, then that's really when you learn and when you remember what to do. Mm-hmm. So actually, that reminds me of a patient that we saw recently with an abnormal cervix. So I didn't see the cervix, but when I got the phone call from one of my residents, uh, the resident described it as a cavity between 3 and 6 o'clock. So there was like a little hole there, a cavity. So the resident was um, uh, able to recognize that it was not normal. You know, you see the cervix, it's normally very smooth, very pink or a little, a little red, but you don't see a cavity in that area. So uh, he said that he's never seen anything like that. So our patient had weight loss and abdominal pain, and also she had a bilateral hydronephrosis. So the cervical biopsy was actually scheduled to be to be done in two days, but because we admitted the patient for the hydronephrosis, we did the cervical uh, biopsy. So the cervical biopsy resulted in squamous cell carcinoma of the cervix. So I agree with you, grossly abnormal cervix should prompt us to perform a biopsy in a timely manner 
and we can come up with a diagnosis and with the treatment in a timely manner for the patient. So, yeah, thanks uh, to science, uh, Pap Smear, the Papa Nicolau, became uh, a standard of care screening since 1941, and now we screen always starting at 20 age, uh, starting at 20 years old. And at 21, right? 21, sorry, 21, regardless of sexual activity. Well, we all know about the cervical cancer screening guidelines, and we use the ASCCP app. And, um, and we know that the cervical cytology became the standard of care for screening. And I was reading that it has been since 1941. And we all know that we start at age 21, regardless of sexual activity. I know that that uh, sometimes creates some concerns, uh, and we need to address that right away. Yeah, that's a very important topic. Actually, you are mentioning something that uh, we can encounter in our clinic. So sometimes in some cultures, uh, having a pap smear can be seen as uh, something reserved for people who are sexually active. So you might have a patient who is 21. You might offer a pap smear, but the patient might refuse. So how do you address that, Dr. Rodriguez? What do you do? What do you say? Well, always the patient has the right of the client, my proposal, but I always recommend it. And I had more than once a uh, patient with 21 years old, I mean more than 21, like 22, 23, uh, virgin who agree, thanks God, to do the pap smear. But I always respect the patient uh, preference, of course. And if they say no, I will offer in the next visit the as next soon visit. as possible, yes. Yeah, and also, uh, I mean, we can explain to the patients, we respect their culture and we respect their preference, like you said, but um, patients are concerned that they are not, they're not going to be a virgin, a virgin anymore after the pap smear. But what I tell my patients is, you know, having a speculum not necessarily mean that you had sex. So um, sometimes they agree to have the procedure done, sometimes they disagree, but just uh, be ready, guys, to address that concern in patients you know we have many cultures in our clinic but mainly in the latino culture you know they might see it as something negative to do before marriage and also our muslim friends in in other cultures in general so uh, be prepared uh, to address that concern for patients so dr rodriguez um thanks for talking about colon polyps not colon <laughs> cervical because we talked about colon polyps recently mm -hmm. but uh, cervical polyps and where do you get that knowledge from well up today always up today number one and i um i use also an app fb notebook which is really organized and in my assessment and plan and um, the american society of colposcopy and cervical pathology the ASSCP, as i say before i use it a lot especially to follow up apps and uh, I found an article um, in the American Family Physician 2018 about cervical cancer, and they describe about treatment and, and management in general. Okay. So those are very good sources of information. And uh, thank you so much for coming today, Dr. Rodriguez. And guys, thank you, know, you for having me. No, and I hope you, you continue to learn about cervix. You know, we have a long way to go. I know this is this was a very simple topic, but we'll have the chance to to talk more about this. Any final words, Dr. Rodriguez, that you want to say? Thank you to all. Thank you, guys. <laughs> Enjoy the week. Bye. See you next time. Bye bye.
Speaking Medical. Good afternoon. My name is Edward Davtsian, fourth-year medical student. I will be presenting the word of the week, which is poikilothermia. This may sound like a phrase used in the world of thermodynamics. However, this phrase is more commonly used in the realm of biology and medicine. Term poikilothermia can mean cool extremity. This term is originated from the word poikilotherm, which is used to describe animals or organisms whose internal temperature varies considerably with the temperature of its surroundings. These animals are also referenced by the common vernacular cold-blooded. The term is derived from the Greek poikilos, meaning varied, and thermos, meaning heat. In medicine, the loss of thermoregulation in humans is referred to as poikilothermia. This is seen in states of sedation, especially REM sleep, effects of hypnotic drugs, and acute limb ischemia. Poikilothermia is one of six P's in the clinical presentation of acute limb ischemia, pain, pallor, paresthesia, pulselessness, poikilothermia, and paralysis. Hope this has been interesting for you. Remember, if your patient has poikilothermia, doesn't mean they're cold-blooded. just means you should probably check their ankle brachial index. Hi, this is Dr. Carranza on our section, Spanish, por favor. This week's word is chorro. Chorro means jet or stream. Some patients use this word to describe their bowel movement. Patients can come to you with the complaint, Doctor, tengo chorro, which means, Doctor, I have the runs, or in other words, I'm having diarrhea. This is more common in the Spanish speakers coming from Mexico. You can then continue the interview and ask about how often, for how many days, and if it's bloody or melanotic, etc. Chorro can also mean a ton or lots. So a patient might say, doctor, tengo un chorro de problemas, which means, doctor, I have a ton of problems. Now you know the Spanish word of the week, chorro. All right, you got some jokes? I got some jokes. I got some jokes. They're mostly clean this week. We'll see. We'll see. Wait, okay. So, patient says, Doctor, I get heartburn every time I eat birthday cake. The doctor says, Next time, take off the candles. <laughs> so bad. I didn't realize we were doing medical dad jokes. <laughs> <laughs> this is the Father's Day edition? Yeah, it could be. You go. All right. A doctor sits his patient down and tells him, Sir, I'm sorry to tell you this. It looks like you have both cancer and Alzheimer's. The patient takes a deep breath and says, Wow, well, at least I don't have cancer. <laughs> so, did you see the sign on the cosmetic surgery clinic? It says, uh, If life gives you lemons, a simple operation can give you melons. Nice. <laughs> how, how do you diagnose Hypospadias on an EKG. Look for large, large uh, inferior P waves. <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> EKG of various uses. Um, what, what else I got here? This is a good one for the uh, incoming Bakersfield heat. So, you know, my doctor told me that jogging could add years to my life. 
He was totally right. I feel 10 years older already. <laughs> you're, and you're out? You're I'm, tapping I'm, out? I'm, I'm, I'm tapping out. I don't have anything great on up, up to bat yet. All right. Maybe next week. Now we conclude our episode number 18, cervical polyps. Dr. Rodriguez recommended us to get used to a normal cervix. If a cervix looks odd, do not hesitate to perform a biopsy or schedule a patient for the biopsy. If you see a cervical polyp, a polypectomy can easily be performed in the office. Remember to send the sample to pathology. Edvard explained that poikilothermia refers to cold-blooded animals, but it also refers to a cold limb as a sign of acute limb ischemia. Chorro was explained by Dr. Carranza as a less elegant way to say diarrhea in Spanish. This is the end of Rio Bravo QE. We say goodbye from Bakersfield, a special place in the beautiful Central Valley of California, United States, a land where growing is happening everywhere. If you have any feedback about this podcast, please contact us by email at rbresidency at clinicaseravista.org or visit our website, riobravofmrp.org backslash QWeek. This podcast was created with educational purposes only. Please visit your primary care physician for additional medical advice. Our podcast team this week is Hector Ariaza, Yodaisy Rodriguez, Claudia Carranza, Edvard Dayton, Lisa Manzanares, and Steven Saito. Audio by Sraja Murtia. See you soon.